And I think probably the biggest thing that I think where this needs to change is just that, you know, women are 50% of the users. In the case of attractions, women tend to be the CEO of their households. They're the ones making most of these purchases. So I think it's important to involve them in understanding what these experiences look like for the buyers. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. All right. Boom. Yes. Good. So I have a question for you. Okay. I want you to think back to the last attraction you visited. Okay. And you bought a ticket. Mm -hmm. Did you know what software platform was being used on the back end of that ticket purchase? Considering my involvement and proficiency in the industry, uh, yeah, I probably did. <laughs> However, <laughs> most people <laughs> would not necessarily think of that when they're buying a ticket because they're buying a ticket from the attraction in which they're visiting, right? So therefore, right. it is their attraction's ticketing system. And it all is seamless and integrated. And they're buying it from the attraction or from the park. Therefore, it comes from them. So what about you? Um. The last place I went, I would say no, but I have noticed different places where a uh, a logo will pop up, like on mm -hmm. a on a credit card machine or that kind of thing, where you can see the um, uh, the the software that is behind the transaction, and also, like you said, because of the proficiency, understanding what what those brands are. If I happen to see a certain logo, I'm like, oh, that's the software system behind this. The general public may not know what that is and probably don't care. Right? right. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I take away from our conversation today with Sandra Shannon, the CEO of Gatemaster Technology, where she talks about the fact that when they implement a software solution or a platform solution, she doesn't want people to know that it's them, right? She wants that to be seamless so that when they're buying a ticket, when they're interacting with that attraction, that that's what they're thinking of as from a consumer standpoint, they're not thinking about the technology in between that make is making that happen. Yeah, exactly. And, and when that happens, then it's so seamless that it makes it easy for the operator and easy for the guest. And Sandra used the phrase making heroes out of operators, which I thought was so fascinating because the technology needs to work, right? And when yeah. it doesn't work, it reflects poorly on the operator. And when it does work, it reflects highly on the operator. And it takes away a lot of, perhaps a lot of the administrative work, a lot of the uh, the you know tasks that the staff need to go through to be able to accomplish necessary tasks. And it makes it easier for the guest as well, because they can if they can get into the venue much easier, then at that point, they're not thinking about buying tickets. I, I heard somebody say once that uh, ticketing should be the only part of the experience of visiting an attraction that's forgettable. 
Because if you hmm. don't remember buying tickets, it probably meant it went pretty well. You know, I might have a little caveat to that because thinking about a really, really great interaction that you might have with a person that, you know, suggests a certain um, activity or even in a quote unquote upsell, right? You know, that's a VIP experience or something that really enhances your experience. I re might remember, Josh, that really enhanced my day. So I don't know. I may go back and forth on that one. You know, we don't do like point counterpoint that often. I think it's, you know, I think it's a nice thing to to bring into the the atmosphere every every once in a while. Yeah, uh, obviously, you, the listener, the audience, you you decide what uh, uh, what you feel is best. Um, but when you make heroes out of the operator and you operate from that mentality when you're providing a software, you're providing a product, I think it really uh, influences the way that you develop the product and the way that you serve the client. Absolutely. And one of the other things that, that Sandra talked about was the, the guest-driven transaction, which really is peppered throughout a lot of our conversation. When you think about who's the end user, what are they going through? You know, Sandra talks about not only herself as an enthusiast, but a parent and an operator. And so she's able to look at things and get her staff to look at things in from so many different lenses that you can really create a product that will be hopefully invisible, right? And people won't know that that's who that, that, you know, that they're interacting with the gate master. They're just buying a ticket or whatever, whatever the interaction might be that that technology is actually invisible. Yeah. And then we get to learn all about gate masters company culture, which Sandra is so passionate about when she talks about it. And honestly, the, the feeling that I got was that, you know, Gatemaster is is a supplier, right? It's a you know it's a software that is used by attractions, but her mindset almost makes it feel like she's implementing a culture for an attraction, right? The mindset that they have of creating memories and experiences for the guests who are visiting that there's no there's no wall between the operator and the supplier. It's all cohesive. It's all in one. I think it's just a, amazing the way that she describes the culture. So on this one, I will wholeheartedly agree. Um, so there's there's only a point here, no counterpoint. Um, but I agree that, you know, she's approaching it. And maybe this comes from her operator background. She's approaching it from a, not a tech position, but a hospitality position, right? And a how do we make positive memories for the guests, but also through the operator, which goes back to making heroes out of the operator. So um, one of the words that I that I used in this interview was holistic. And I think that a lot of the things that you and I have even been talking about in just the last couple of minutes really demonstrate how there's so much thought that goes into so many different aspects of the business that ultimately that has to be what has made Gatemaster so successful over the years. But with all that said, maybe the no more counterpoint, counterpoint, or point, counterpoint. Uh, let's get to this interview with Sandra. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey, Sandra, welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Josh and Matt, for having me today. Our pleasure. Uh, so to kick this off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about uh, your background and your career. Sure. You know, and I appreciate you guys asking that story because it's it's quite, I, I think I've had a pretty interesting journey in the attraction space. And, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about how once you're an attraction person, you're always an attraction person. So I actually started uh, with QZAR, which was the first gamified 
uh, experience in the attraction space. So I started with QZAR and I um, was a general manager of a uh, QZAR laser tag facility here in Southern California for a number of years in the late 90s. And um, what got me started at GateMaster was at the time we were using GateMaster's platform. So their original IP, which was GateMaster Pro. And I, uh, for, for the sake of sounding like a nerd, I was a super user of this product. And um, when we sold our facility in 2002, the founder of GateMaster recruited me to help him create the second iteration of GateMaster, which was the E2 system that, uh, that really got us into the, the broader attraction space where we were able to springboard into water parks, the zoos, the museums, the theme parks. And um, from there, I mean, we're on our third, third and fourth iteration of the product. So we've come quite far from there, but that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I started as an operator and was a user of the product and became, uh, became the CEO of the company through years of, I mean, I've been with Gatemaster now for over 20, I think, I think this is my 21st or 22nd year. I spent about 10 years on the road visiting attractions. I did, I uh, onboarded close to 800 attractions in my time that I was on the road because back then we didn't have Zoom and the technology that we have today. Um, but yeah, it was a neat experience for sure. And it's been a neat journey. That's so cool. Um, actually, you know, the, the number of times that we've spoken, I did not know that you started off uh, in QZAR. So um, learning things all the time. So I wonder if you can go back to that experience. And now you serve attractions, you were an operator. What kind of lessons do you take from the time that you were an operator that you still use now, you know, kind of relating back to that experience and saying, this is what operators need, because um, you, you do have that unique perspective. You know, I think for me, when we're developing tech or we're developing systems or even processes that, you know, we're working hand in hand with operators, you know, we're really trying to be very light on the impact that we have on them from a process perspective. You know, for me, one of the things that I talk to my team about very often is that experience as an operator and how, you know, what we're doing should not impact the experience that the operators are having with their guests. It should not negatively impact. It should not create more workarounds for them. Their focus should be on the guest experience and not trying to figure out how to make something work with the system, you know. And oftentimes, when we work with uh, with our partners in the attraction space, you know, we're replacing somewhere between three to six systems. And what I've found from that is uh, just the uh, trying to think of the right word. The, becomes so much more efficient for the operators. You know, how can we really take a lot of that burden off of them? And that's, I think the biggest thing that I brought into the company and the culture that we have here is, you know, how do we make heroes of the operators instead of, you know, if, if the customer's having a bad buying experience, you know, they might, we don't ever want them to be perceived as a villain, right? And so how do we make the operator the hero of the stories that we're involved in? Yeah, you know, it's it's so fascinating. It's, it's such an important way to look at the business because from a software company, you're not always on site, right? So you're not necessarily yeah. seeing 
that guest, maybe that mom who's got two kids right. who are crying and really anxious and they're standing in line waiting to buy tickets or waiting to enter the, the venue. So how do you take that, I would say that that operator experience and that guest experience uh, and find ways to be able to, to not necessarily replicate that, but really live and breathe that when perhaps you're you're in an office when you're in you know somewhere that that's cool and has nice yeah. air conditioning and there aren't screaming kids and, and you're not in that environment physically uh but being able to to see it that way well there's a couple of ways that we do that today one is you know we have our, our with gatemaster that our customers were really integrated into their business so with our integrated services that comes with the product we're managing a lot of the tools for the operations team. So we're, we become an extension of their team. So we hear so much of what the operator's experiences are and where they would like to see that improvement. But I would also say, you know, like many of us in the attractions uh, industry, you know, I'm an enthusiast of attractions. I mean, I think this weekend, uh, I'm going to the Renaissance Festival. It'll be like the fifth park I've been to, or the fifth experience that I've had this week, um, half of which I did with my family. So I'm also a mother of three. You know, just to give you an idea of some of the ways that I, at least the creative vision that I've had over the years is, you know, with, we had a, we had a product in the, in about 2012 that came out called Park Tabs. Well, if you remember when they first started putting chips on the cards, we were having several malfunctions with water. But, you know, when you start introducing water to chips in a water park, credit cards no longer worked. They were malfunctioning. And what actually gave me the idea is I spilled coffee in my purse and realized that that's what, and my cards all stopped working, realized that that's the, that was the problem. So what we did is we created park tabs, which allowed them to do a single swipe, create a tab, and then be able to access that tab from anywhere in the park. And they didn't no longer have to have their cards present or a chip present at the time. And so we were able to avoid that problem and it's evolved into other products as the future goes. But I would also say, you know, as a mother of three, I've stood in line for food with hangry children. And that's what led us to create our food mobile ordering system. Now we were a little premature in creating that prior to the pandemic. We've had that for quite a few years and it really took off during the pandemic when, you know, uh, touchless and and less interaction was needed during that time so uh you know with with part i've got one park the city of somerset uh who is a huge advocate for our mobile ordering system because now they're doing we took them from 30 percent online transactions to 80 percent, and that includes in park sales so it's it's quite a nice thing but really a lot of these ideas came from not only my experience in working with operators but also my personal experience of being a guest and ways that I can see that we can improve these processes for guests. That's so cool. And I, I love to hear how all those experiences create new products that ultimately are very practical for people. Yeah. Like when you talk about the, the credit card not working when it's wet, like it's almost like a duh, right? But yeah. you don't think of that until you, until you spill coffee in your purse potentially. So yeah. um, I, I would love to kind of kind of hear a little bit more about your your experience or your journey as an enthusiast and how that has also helped shape some of the maybe some of the other products that you've come up with or maybe some things that you thought 
hey, this would be a great idea, but then you got it on the drawing board and eh, it just wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Sure. You know, I, I, I'm not afraid to say that for every one idea, there was probably 10 really bad ones. And sometimes we have parks that allow us to explore these ideas with them. And that's where I think, you know, it's been a really unique position for us to be in because we, we were founded by attraction people and, you know, uh, our, our mission has always been uh, to help them create memorable experiences through innovative technology and legendary service. And I think the legendary service part is also a re is a mirror and reflection of what we see in the parks. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm constantly asking my team, I mean, every Friday we meet, what attractions are you going to this weekend? Because it's important to us that they are uh that they are enthusiasts as well, or, you know, they may, and they may not all be enthusiasts because, you know, I, uh, there's one type of attraction. I don't do well with jump scares. So haunted attractions, I send other people to those ones, but, you know, uh, uh, really keeping our eye on, you know, what is it like to be the, on that buyer's journey and how can we improve that? And when we attend attractions, our team gets together and talks about what those experiences were like and how we can improve that. I mean, we're really secret shopping attractions all the time on our own. Um, and what that allows us to do is really start keeping a lot of data on what we can do to help improve those experiences. I mean, like I said, our main focus is on lifting the burden from off of the operators, but also uh, being a reflection of that service and hospitality that we see in so many of, of the attractions. You know, people are, we recognize that when a buyer spent you know when a when a guest spends money you know many times they're significantly investing in those experiences and and we we uh we want we we really try hard to make sure that we are a part of the experience and not something that uh would take away from that and i think that's the biggest thing in in being an enthusiast is is when I look at my experiences, how can I improve that? I mean, even at Disneyland, I'm looking around going, yeah, this is a great idea. We can fix this, you yeah. know? No, that's, that's really interesting. And and really you're, you're recognizing that you have this responsibility to the client that when, uh, you know, when a guest comes through and they buy tickets and they, and they have the experience, they don't care, you know, what, what ticketing software the, you know, the attraction is using, right? If it's, if it's a good experience, it reflects positively of the, of the attraction. And if it's a bad experience, it also reflects it negatively on, on the attraction because they don't know that it's, oh, it's, it's another company that, you know, that might be doing this. Um, when you talk about kind of being an enthusiast and, and we say, you know, you encourage your team to say, you know, what, you know, what attraction is going to go visit this weekend? And when you meet together, you talk about that. Can you elaborate a little bit maybe on on what those conversations are like when you're meeting and, and maybe you say, hey, this was this was a great experience. This is going really well. Or, you know, I noticed some friction right here as I was going through this and and here's what we can do potentially to improve that. Can you shed some light maybe on, on what those conversations are like? Sure. I mean, a lot of times, you know, we're going in as yes, you know, we're investing in that experience just to have a genuine uh, understanding of what's happening in the attractions that we visit. We have a small team in Orlando, so they get to experience a lot of those parks here in Denver, you know, uh, at where, where, where I'm based, you know, we try to visit as many attractions as possible. And I think really what we do is we just try to take notes on, you know, how could we, 
make that experience a little bit better because I think one of the one of the biggest issues is that oftentimes operators don't know how to improve those experiences that the that the guest is having. They're they're you know they're fantastic at their craft at what they do. You know, uh, most of them are are are. They're, they don't need to improve the experience, but what they don't understand is the sales process and that buyer's journey. How can, how can how can we improve that? So when we get together as a team, so we actually meet every Friday and we the last question we ask every Friday is what attraction are you going to visit or is anybody going to an attraction? And then on Monday, we all wrote, report back on where we went, where we saw that we could help them improve. And... Um, you know, I, I are really more so than trying to acquire new partners. We're doing it to train our team and have them look at it from a different perspective. Because as you mentioned before, you know, uh, if you've not been behind a counter being yelled at and, and you know, I, I, it, it being yelled at or, it, you know, have somebody who is unhappy with the experience and you don't know and you don't have the tools to handle that, it can be quite a difficult situation. And for me, I wanna encourage more people to enter this space. So that's why part of my mission has been to improve that experience from a customer service perspective and an operator perspective, because I've been on that side where you know uh, the interactions are not necessarily as positive as I, I, as I would have liked them to be. So you know, for us, one, I always try to go in whenever I, I, I was just at, at Pirate's Cove which is a city park in uh, Colorado. And the line for food was over an hour and we were waiting for a really long time. And I just made sure also that when I approached the person who was clearly just, bur you know, just hot, burned out for the day, who was behind the counter and she happened to be the manager there and just really had grace with her and made sure to tell her how, what a great job she was doing and encourage her and help her feel empowered in this position, even though she could not fix that line. I know that I could fix that line for her. Right. And, um, and that's actually what we see, like with the city of Somerset, we were able to reduce wait times by over 50% when they went to, to online ordering in their food and beverage. So it was, it, it was a, an interesting, it's always an interesting experience because I, you know, uh, my heart really goes out to a lot of the team members that are having to deal with these things and there is ways to improve it. And they don't necessarily have that in that in their control or they don't have the tool, the tools or the know-how to fix it. Mm -hmm. Sandra, is what you're describing and have been talking about for quite a bit of our, our time together so far, kind of around that guest driven transaction, or is there something else behind that, that you, um, that you guys focus on? Well, I think ultimately all of these products we've created have led to what we now call the guest-driven transaction. And, you know, uh, a, a few years back, Harvard Business Journal did a study of over 200 companies. and They were talking about how self-service technology really empowers customers. I think it was 30 to 50% wait times were reduced when they studied these companies. They saw over an immediate 15% increase in customer satisfaction. I think today we would probably see an even greater uh, percentage of what that looks like. And I think, you know, uh, all of these things that we talked about really have led us to the guest room transaction. There's a couple of things that happen here. Not only are we reducing wait times, you know, customer satisfaction goes up. 
but we're also empowering the guests to take control over their purchases. It's transparent. I think today's buyers want to have transparency in their purchases. Um, and when you have transparency with your guests, so they, they feel completely empowered to access everything that's being offered, they invest more in their experiences. So ultimately, you know, everyone's winning in an experience like it when when we create an experience like that on the on the buyer's journey. And I and and I hope that answers your question. But I, I think all of these things have led to that guest driven transaction. I think there's there's one other thing that I like to note with the guest driven transactions is it also makes guests feel like you know them when you're offering them uh, upsells and alternative uh, maybe experiences once they arrive. Uh, add-on experiences or meal vouchers or whatever that looks like because it's very flexible the tool with this tool it's very flexible what can be offered I think you're showing your guests that you know and care about them and that you're trying to help them plan for the best possible experience when they arrive hmm. so playing devil's advocate a little bit on the guest sure. driven transaction because I'm I can only anticipate that there might be some questions that some people might have about this so I'd love to sure. uh, to have you address that one of them is being um that if it is self-service then the the sales process is not as personalized and you said that that they are spending more but some people also argue that the face-to-face -face, the more consultative type of type of uh type of relationship and type of sale can lead to higher spending and then the other side of it as well is uh you know what eliminating labor is is a large cost savings one might argue being that we're in the human to human business eliminating humans from you know from the transaction or from that part of it does that also make the experience less personal less enjoyable for the guest so i'd love to hear how you address those points sure uh, you know I, there's a lot there to unpack right because there's a lot going on when we when we talk about you know the jobs right what we found is we're not necessarily replacing jobs but we are in it we are uh, currently facing a labor shortage so we're able to alleviate maybe those um, monotonous tasks that they're doing that are not truly helping the guests. They're not serving the guests at that point. So when we let's say that when we when we implement something like um, uh, the mobile ordering food and beverage and retail system, it's uh, it's not that they don't inter they no longer interact with the guests because somebody still has to either they still have to pick up or they have to do delivery, but the interactions are very different. So what we've actually seen from the data is that customers are spending more time with the menus. They're not feeling as rushed. I mean, when I'm waiting in line for an hour for food, you know, half the time I forget what I'm going to order. And then I'm so stressed out myself because I, these poor people are behind the counter. They're not giving me great service because they're scrambling so what we found is we're taking the scramble out of it. You're not gonna, you're not necessarily gonna replace replace staff. It's just now they actually are more focused on the guest experience and the hospitality. And so what we're trying to do is is empower hospitality. Um, I think that answers part of your question. Uh, I think I think some of the 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 other things with the guest driven transactions is. You know, it's very difficult to offer that complete experience if you don't have a technology that is seamlessly integrated across the park. And I think that that's 
without that, you would have a broken experience and it might actually become more burdensome than helpful. So that's one of the things that Gate Masters really tried to do is all of our products work seamlessly together. Park doesn't really have to worry about how do we bridge these gaps. Um, our e-commerce, our point of sales, the mobile ordering, they're all speaking to the same database. And we've thought about that Really, I mean, in the early 2000s, we thought about that from the from its inception, that this needed to be, we needed to be able to do this natively. And um, I, I think that's just an important thing to know that it's very difficult to do for a lot of attractions because they don't have the tools to do it. Mm -hmm. So I think this is where the future is moving. I think there's still, uh, there's still some time to where we get to where the customers are fully autonomous on their own, right? Yeah. But. Well, I really appreciate what you said. And I think you even said it earlier about how, you know, sometimes when you're coming into a facility, you may re be replacing three or four different systems, maybe that didn't talk to each other. And I know I've dealt with that in, in previous roles that it, it wasn't so fun, right? To get the, yeah. the, the different databases to try to talk to each other. So um, I think part of what I'm wondering is with technology changing and advancing so fast, and not only your technology, but the technology that we have in our hands, right? If so there's something that's, you know, mobile ordering, well, now you've got to make sure that it works on all different kinds of phones and, and that type of thing. So I'm curious how you stay uh, ahead of that or how you keep keep up with that when your tech your business is technology right and yeah. now you've got to keep up with all the other technologies as well yeah i mean we're definitely nerds over here right <laughs> so you know i think it was jeff bezos that said you know you need to lean into the future and i think that's something that we've really taken to heart is leaning into the future being willing to see where the industry goes listening to our partners on the challenges that they're having and how we can improve that. You know, uh, when we look for new talent, we're looking for people who could provide different understandings of how things work. And that might include different tech. You know, uh, uh, last night I, I was uh, a, a guest over at Disneyland and we were writing the Rise of the Resistance. They said there's over 400 million lines of code. Well, Gate Master rivals that, right? After all these years, I mean, we've been around for, for almost 30 years. You know, Gate Master's technology rivals that. And that's not easy to do because we're having to actually move between the attraction space. And then I spend a lot of time at tech conferences outside of this space to really try to understand, you know, what are our options in terms of future technology? Who are the people that can help us get there? And... um I've, I've spoken on a number of tech panels and uh, been invited to speak for outside of the space. One in particular group that I um, I spoke at their conferences in Boston, uh, San Francisco, Denver, and is Women Impact Tech. And, you know, uh, for me, it's just important because when you look at C-level executives in technology, and we're talking outside of the attraction space, we represent maybe about 5%. And so I really do feel that in order to stay relevant and to keep moving toward the, the future, you know, I have not only this responsibility as one of those 5% of people in technology to lean into the future, but really use it as my headwind. Hmm. That makes sense. It's not mm -hmm. a tailwind for me, it's a headwind. So 
um, a lot of my team is always trying to stay up to date on what's happening, especially, I mean, with what we see happening with AI and, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, we actually, uh, we have our, uh, the you know, with the guest driven transactions, we know that part of where we're going and who are, who we're choosing to work with is bringing a lot of that automation and artificial intelligence, machine learning into what we do. Hmm. Would love to talk more about the uh, your involvement with women in tech and empowering women and in increasing that five percent to be much greater. Can you talk more about your your efforts and your initiatives towards doing that? Sure, sure. So you know, just getting involved in an organization like this has been incredibly rewarding. And and to be honest, I just had had my for a lot of years just had my head down doing the work that we do, trying to stay uh, uh, up to speed with what's happening with regards to technology and this industry that we work in attractions and um somehow a few years back uh they reached out to me and they said you know we're really not only is this a really cool industry that a lot of people don't consider the needs of you know when i tell people what i do and i'm sure you guys have experienced too they're like you do you work with attractions like how lucky are you i mean i get to go to disneyland and all of these fun places for work i really have the best job um, but when we look at the technology industry, and really, I, I think that the biggest challenge is this, that we need to encourage more women to enter the STEM industry. You know, I, I think that we're seeing improvement because now, you know, girls are oftentimes taught to do more hospitality jobs. So I think we, we see a lot of equality in the hospitality space. Um, but, you know, oftentimes there aren't encouraged to enter into the mass, the sciences, technologies. And so really my work there is just to kind of be a lighthouse for women who want to be a part of this industry. And it certainly is a challenge. I mean, when I started with Gatemaster 20 years ago, and I was, I think, like employee number 30, um, I was the youngest and the only woman in the company. So you can imagine back then, and and I didn't know other women in technology at that time. So really, it's just been nice to be somebody who's pioneered that space, but also um, helping women find mentorship and resources that they need to be able to enter these these spaces. And I think probably the biggest thing that I think where this needs to change is just that you know women are fifty percent of the users. In the case of attractions, women's tend to be the CEO of their households. They're the ones making most of these purchases. So I think it's important to involve them in understanding what these experiences look like for the buyer's journey. You know, what I appreciate about so many of the things you've talked about so far is there's sort of this holistic view of sort of bringing everybody together, right? Bringing the operators, bringing the tech people together, bringing the the consumer together, you know, focusing on on all different uh, people that might be making these buying decisions. And I really do uh, appreciate that a lot. And I'm also curious um, because I would love to work at a company and I do think, you know, we all have the best jobs in the world that, you know, when somebody says on a Friday meeting, what attractions are you going to this weekend? I mean, that just that's awesome, right? And I, I get to ask myself that question too. But I'm a I'm a solopreneur, if you will. So you've got a team, you've got this this uh this company that you're running. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your company culture. Because sure. like you said, I mean, you've got tech people, you've got nerd people, probably some people are attractions people, but I'm curious how you bring all those together uh to form your company culture. 
Well, I think I think one, our mission's very clear, right? I, I, you know, uh, people are. It's easy to buy in on this idea that we can help people create memories. You know, uh, if I can, I, I last night I, I this project that I'm uh, that I'm working on, you know, took us to Disneyland to look at some of the the improvements that they've made to accessibility for for uh, everyone, and what that technology looks like. And, and that's, that's kind of a project that I'm working on. And what brings me to this though, is as we entered the park, I asked the team that I was with, can we stop by the Tiki room? Could that be the first thing we do? And the reason that came up, that comes up for me is because my grandfather who helped raise me passed away when I was 10 every year, he would take me to Disneyland and that would be the first place he would go. In fact, he named two of my aunts after the birds that are in there. <laughs> Suzette, I got an aunt, Suzette, Gigi, you know, which are the, the names of the birds. And, you know, when we, just to kind of bring this full circle, you know, I want my team and the people that I work with to have, you know, these are things that are imprinted with us. These experiences that we're creating in this industry, people are imprinting with that. That's my imprint. I was so grateful that they that this team allowed me. I was with a six billion dollar man last night, and I'm like, "Hey, will you go to the tiki room with me first? And you know, thank them for allowing me to do that because it was important for me. But that was my imprint, right? And um, I think for my team and the people that I work with, you know, I want to know what that looks like for them because if you don't understand that, how can we improve that? How can we assist the operators with creating that experience? You know, I think many of us are here today working in this industry because we appreciate what's happening, the connections that are being made for families and friends and people are getting together and going to attractions, the thrills that we have. You know, um, I just saw the video of my daughter's first ride on a roller coaster, which was at Legoland in Carlsbad. And just I, I took a little video of her after and it was her first ride. And she said, well, my eyes were closed in the picture, you know, because. It is just, you know, just those those memories that we're creating together. But I would say what really brings us all together, I mean, at Gatemaster, we are very much guided by our core values of being aligned and disciplined and results-oriented, accountable, inspirational, and transparent. You know, and a, a reason that we landed on a lot of these were because we understood that that was what was going to be needed from us um, when working with the attractions that we work with, that we serve. I mean, ultimately, those mm -hmm. were the things that would be needed from us. And I think inspirational is one of the one of my favorites because it's things like this, people like you, you guys who are inspiring this industry to continue to do the work that we do. Well, thank you. Uh, Sandra, what, what guidance would you offer to you know those who are listening to this uh, whether whether they are the CEO or a director manager supervisor leader to uh, everything that you just said in the last four or five minutes or so to to take that and implement that within their team and that type of that that culture that feeling uh, that, that's able to run through everyone's veins you know I think I think one of my favorite values there is alignment. And I, it might sound cliche, but most of my team is really, it, it, you know, it, our success is that we're aligned, you know, and I, it, my my executive assistant, her daughter is named after a Disney princess. When I heard that, I'm like, you're hired, right? Because it's important to me, you know, I know she loves, 
she's 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 a Disney enthusiast. I think she would call herself. But I think alignment is super important. And if you if you don't understand why we do this work, and I think I think I'm I, your audience. I'm probably preaching to the 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 choir because we're all here because we understand uh, how important it is to put smiles on people's faces. And I think alignment is probably the biggest advice that I would I would give someone and is try to figure that out. When I say that we're guided by that, you know, we hire, fire, and reward not only our team, but our customers. I mean, because, you know, I, I want to be a part of all of the big and great things that are happening. And if you are not, you know, inspirational, for instance, in, in the work that you're doing, you know, that's just not really helping the industry. So, you know, really just trying to be guided by these principles and have that alignment. I think, I think um, making sure that everybody's on board for the mission is important and that you can create that vision of where you're going. Um, for, for me, I think that's probably my biggest job at the company is to always keep reminding uh, the team of where we're going and the vision of what we're trying to create. So vision being a, a really big thing. If, if you're in a position like mine, where you've got to keep everybody aligned. I think vision is a very important part of that. I would agree with that. And I, I share your um, your adherence to alignment. Uh, I, I've worked with a lot of people who are in positions with they're really not aligned for, but they don't recognize it, right? So sometimes it takes a, a third party to, to be able to point those things out. Uh, but I'm curious also thinking back on your career, if you were to talk to yourself 30 years ago, what kind of advice would you give um, yourself in terms of being as successful as you've become? Uh, you know, I think the only advice that I would give myself, because for a lot of years, I was focused on product development and um, which wasn't a bad thing. I think that was necessary in order for us to really understand what would be needed in the future. Right. But continuing with professional development and actually, you know, I, I think that that is something that is probably very difficult for most people. I know it was for me to take time out to understand not only the work that we do, because there's also the business building part of what we do, right? It's a separate, it's a separate task. It's a separate job. It's almost a separate business. So, you know, learning, you know, I, I took more of a uh, entrepreneurial path to leadership um, so there was a lot of hard learning along the way. A lot of mistakes were made. And, you know, maybe I could have avoided those, but also I like to embrace them at this point. Um, you know, I quit school to play laser tag. You know, my family was so disappointed in me, but I, I, I don't think that they ever saw that that would lead me to being a CEO of a tech company in this space. I don't know that I saw that back then. You know, um, but I think professional development was the key. I just think I could have done more of it and, and maybe taken that uh, more serious sooner and earlier in my career. But I, I, I you know, I, I can't be too hard on myself because I was really focused on the work that I was doing. Do you have any favorite mistakes or failures that have turned into some of the best lessons for you? Um, You know, Man, there's a lot that's happened over the last few years and probably a lot of mistakes. I, I would I would say that, you know, when I look at mistakes, and this is something I tell my team, you know, one of the things that I think has 
not only made me successful, but also made us successful with the attractions that we serve is, you know, a lo- owning a lot of the challenges and mistakes that happen. Mistakes are going to happen, right? A lot of times when we're setting up strategies for uh, the parks that we're working with, you know, it's not, a, it's not a science. There's so many different things. I mean, there's no exact science. There's so many different things from, you know, who their demographics are and what we're doing and, and mistakes can be made. But ultimately, because results oriented is always been one of the, the guiding principles of this company, you know, we're able to really look at, you know, what would measure the success of what we're doing. And, you know, I think my biggest mistake and, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to get into it. It might be a little bit controversial. I had a customer that became a competitor of mine and I shared everything with them, all of my best stuff. And for a long time, you know, that was very difficult for me. I felt that I, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I had made. But at the same time, I realized that, you know, they can't steal my mind. And at the end of the day, you know, I needed to just continue on, push forward and try to keep doing what we do and do it to the best of my ability. And while that was one of my biggest mistakes, it proved that we could be super, you know, at least for me, it proved to me that I could be super resilient in this space, but also, you know, pick myself up and and figure out how to continue to innovate and create and collaborate and really just try to beat them on better service and better products and better innovation, happier customers. And I'm happy to say, I mean, I don't even know if they're still around anymore. So it's not even that big of a story to tell, but it was, it was one of the biggest mistakes of my career. It was very difficult challenge to deal with. That story actually reminds me of when I took a tour of the Zappos, um, uh, not a factory, but the Zappos offices out in Las Vegas. Um, And they literally gave you the playbook of what they do because their culture was so famous and that kind of thing. And somebody asked them, they said, well, aren't you worried that somebody's going to, you know, steal this? And they're like, steal it, take it. They said, we know that only, you know, a fraction of the people are actually going to do something with this, right? And maybe they help their business. They're certainly not going to create another Zappos. Um, But they were willingly sharing that. And I think that goes to your story of resiliency. And, you know, you've got your mind, like you said, and you've got your team and you know your abilities. And believing in yourself, I think, has been probably, you know, one of the most important things for you versus, you know, worrying if somebody else had the the same technology or the same information, right? I mean, that, that that's what I kind of took from that. Yeah. Oh, I, I that's exactly on. I should have said, you know, give them your best stuff always, right? Like that's actually what I say to people all the time. Just give them our best stuff, <laughs> you know, whether they're paying me or not, right? Whether they're a customer or not, you know, I, I truly believe that we are here to serve each other and there's space. There's so much space for that if we allow for it so you know that was probably the biggest thing for me is i realized that i can continue to give my best always to everyone and this is not something i'm going to worry about yeah so sandra we uh, only have a few minutes left here but uh, uh one question that we do want to know is when looking at ticketing technology and the software and, and all of that what's next You know, we touched on it a little bit. I really do believe that we're heading into an era of 
really self-driven transactions, you know, the guest-driven transaction, self-service technology. And I think, I think that is a big part of our focus is how do we help the attractions that we're working with move in this direction so that they can improve the satisfaction of their guests. So to me, I think that's where we're going. And I know that's controversial to say, um, but I think if we look at it as a partner in hospitality rather than taking away from the experiences, because I, I truly believe that, you know, if we can get rid of just those busy work tasks that a lot of us are doing, we can really focus on the hospitality side of the business. Mm. And that's where the the rubber hits the road, isn't it? You know, when when you think about, you know, way back to what you said in the beginning of this interview, when you talked about the fact that you don't want your technology to get in the way of the guest experience, certainly to enhance it or to, you know, to make it easier and and, and less frictionful, if that's a word. Um, but, you know, to, to focus on that, um, that really increases the hospitality that other people can provide, I think is a, is a, is a great message and, 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 you know, really great way to kind of sum up a lot of the things that we've been talking about here. Uh, but Sandra, this has been a great conversation and we really appreciate your time. If people want to get in touch with you or learn more about Gatemaster, where would you send them? You know, head over to our website, gatemaster.com. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm on, Inst I'm on, or uh, excuse me, LinkedIn. In fact, my friends always make fun of me because I tell them, yeah, that, I, I don't do the other social media, but I'm on LinkedIn. And so I, I definitely am on LinkedIn. I'm Sandra Shannon on LinkedIn. I would love for your anyone in your audience to connect with me. And, I, and you know, I, I often say in my LinkedIn lives, if I don't have answers for you, I'm happy to connect you with people who do. And, you know, uh, like, like we said earlier, you know, giving people my best stuff always is what I hope to to offer to the world and to this industry. So please connect with me there. And then uh, Sandra gatemaster.com if you want to email me. Excellent. I really enjoy following you on LinkedIn and everything that you post is always uh, uh, very either informational or inspirational. So uh, so that's definitely go connect with uh, with Sandra on LinkedIn for for uh, for everyone out there. Uh, once again, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate the conversation. And for everyone out there who is watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction bros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.